0: Welcome to the SDR Disco Call Vidcast and Podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call Vidcast and Podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello listeners, watchers and subscribers, welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Core Show. If this is your first time joining the show, this is a show for tech sales development reps or BDRs from around the world where we interview other SDRs and BDRs that are in the field and we get insights into their career, how they got down with this, we're going to figure out how they're navigating their career to give best practices to you to help you become happy sellers. If this is also your first time joining the show and you're listening to this in our podcast platform, please give us a rating and a like. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure that you like, comment, subscribe and leave a comment down below. So with the beautiful guest that we have on today's show, this is somebody that reached out to me a few months ago. And when I came across their profile, I saw that they had an extensive career and they also had an affinity with music, which I really love. And this person has done a lot of things. And I'm really excited to bring this guest on the show. So, guest, could you please introduce yourself? Who are you?
1: Hi, Neil. Uh, My name is Melinda Medkowski, and I am a sales specialist working for Soul Marketing in Pardis Israel.
0: Love it. Melinda, welcome to the SDR Disco Call Show. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on board. So, Melinda, just at a high level, what does your company do and what do you do for them?
1: Uh, So, basically, I... I, um, we do lead generation and email marketing for uh, tech startups all over the world, not just in Israel. And my uh, responsibilities include onboarding the customers, doing lead lead um, sourcing for the customers, and creating a revenue pipeline on LinkedIn.
0: Absolutely love it. And again, as a gentle reminder for our watchers and listeners, Melinda's LinkedIn profile is going to be in the show notes if you want to reach out to her, connect with her and pick her brain on anything on tech and SDR related. She's somebody that's very active on LinkedIn. I love seeing her posts and seeing her engage with the community out there in sales. So Melinda, for our listeners and watchers out there as well, could you tell us outside of sales, what does Melinda Mikowski like to get up to outside of sales?
1: Well, I have twin boys, uh, teenage twin boys, so I'm constantly wrangling them. Uh, they ha- they are very active in sports, like I was. Um, I was into gymnastics and yoga basically my whole life. So um, I love yoga. I love Pilates. I work out whenever I can. Hiking in Israel is amazing. We have wonderful nature. Um, some of the best beaches in the world. So um, I'm very busy outdoors most of the year.
0: I love it. Super active, Melinda.
1: I love that. So, again, for our listeners and watchers, what we like to do at
0: this point of the show is visit our guests' LinkedIn profile to kind of see like where they've come from. And, Melinda Mikowski, you have an impressive career. I'm not going to lie, right? So, um, again, Melinda, somebody who's highly active on LinkedIn, she's got a lot of great content. And, you know, I love reading your stuff and your posts when you come up onto my feed. So if we look at your career, you've been to some cool places and you've known some cool people, Melinda. So, you know, you've uh, been an executive assistant on Saturday Night Live, the famous TV shows that, wow. Yes. You've also been a music supervisor on the MTV show The Osborne. So everybody that knows Ozzy and Sharon, that's that show. Like, wow. Uh, you've done a lot of cool things in terms of music and working in media and TV. Um, you've also worked at Elos Health and, you know, most recently for the past, couple of months, you've been a sales specialist at Soul Marketing. So rather than sounding like a job interview, I'd love to know in your own words, Melinda, like, like walk us through, like how did you go from, you know, working the world of TV, media, and then coming into tech? What was that journey?
1: Oh, okay. So um, I, I just want to say that there was never any other job that I wanted, but film and television and music. It had to be in that realm. I grew up mm. in New York, I grew up, um, you know, in the club scene and also very much involved in going to museums and art shows and all of those worlds collide together, like TV, film, art, it all and music. It's all together. And in New York, you're on top of each other. Mm. So um, that was my goal for my entire life. And luckily, I was able to fulfill my dreams, really. I mean, I got some of the best jobs you could ever get in this business. I lived in New York and I lived in Hollywood. Um, wow. so it was a really, it was, is first of all, it's a very hard business. You have to work really, really hard yeah. and you can't give up because there's 50 people that want your job. So <laughs> it's very competitive. Um, and being from New York, thank God I'm born competitive <laughs> that way. <laughs> so, um, it was, it was just a natural, it was just a natural gig for me. Mm. Uh, I got married, um, pretty much in the middle of my, we not, not in the middle of my career. Um, yeah. I had twins. Uh, moved around the country a little bit, and uh, then moved to Israel's startup nation. So while living here, I've been exposed to some of the most amazing innovations in tech for the last 10 years. Um, my children started getting older. I started thinking about what I want to do. And um, I fell into first a job in e-commerce for a supplement company. We created supplements and beauty products, Marketilly. And that was amazing. Like, a first, like, putting my feet back into the working world Mm. Um, with a lot of research, uh, data analytics, a lot of online, you know, stuff. So it was just, it was, uh, it was just a good kind of like getting back into the world online kind of thing. Um, And then, unfortunately, I broke my arm. So I was home um, on the couch with a broken arm and I saw a, a course scholarship from the Ministry of Innovation in Israel for English speakers that live here to help sell tech, to help sell tech abroad. And I applied, I got the scholarship and I um I joined a course called, it's from a company called Jolt. It's like a mini business school for yeah. tech sales and business <laughs> development repre- representatives and it's yeah. called um, Enter. So that gave me the, a really good uh, blueprint for what I wanted to do. And it gave me access to a whole new tech stack that i didn't know existed um you know monday salesforce slack um you know we had to do a capstone project picking a picking a company that we wanted to sell uh that was our final project and it was a pretty long course it was six months Um, luckily because i was born to network and that's what i (laughs) did my entire career in, in entertainment yeah. I was able to connect with other students in my class, and someone told me about a job that was coming up basically the day that I graduated. And that was Elio's health. Cool. And of course, there are tons of um SaaS platforms, you know to to sell in Israel, especially. Hmm. This one is was powered by AI. It's behavioral hmm. health. It was for clinicians. It was reaching out to America, and it was utilizing all of the skills that I learned in Jolt. Um, prospecting, lead generation, LinkedIn, Zoom info—I mean, everything that I learned was right there in my job interview. I was able to say, "I understand this. I can do yeah. this." And not only that, I was passionate about it. So that was my uh, first job as an STR in tech, and it's just been ever since. I have not gotten bored in this mm-hmm. world. I feel like the startup world is very much like a television show. <laughs> not kind of the first episode. No one, no, no one really knows what they're doing, it's like the but pipe, they have right. Yes, yeah. and they have a vision, and then you edit it, and you keep yeah. editing it, and then you keep doing, you know, over and over and releasing and releasing, and that's exactly how I feel. So I, I'm i so happy that I, I wound up in this world. It's really been very satisfying. I love it. There are so many things that I want to dive into,
0: like with your wealth of experience and, like, you going through different industries, going into different roles, you know, coming into tech and everything if we kind of start at the beginning, like you said, you know, working and living in Hollywood, for a lot of us, mm-hmm. that kind of seems like a dream, right? For those <laughs> that work within media, how, how did you get in? What was life like working in Hollywood? Because as you said, it's very competitive. And like, you know, luckily for you, you, you came from New York. So, you know, you're not going to mess with Melinda.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was that life <laughs> like living in Hollywood and working there?
1: It was, first of all, when you when you arrive in Los Angeles and mm. you, you know, I actually moved right to Hollywood proper. Mm. So I looked up coming from the airport to the Hollywood sign. And thankfully I had a friend there. He helped me get an apartment and we lived right in the heart of Hollywood. Wow. So it was just exciting. Every day was exciting. My first job was at Paramount um, working as a production assistant for a show that, you know, went for 10 episodes and then didn't get uh, picked up. That's what it's yeah. called. So every day was just um it was just an experience it was like um like I said very creative working with writers you know directors camera people sound people prop mm. you know prop it was and then seeing the post effort which is the editing and the yeah. music and the coloring so it was um it was basically I went I mean I went to school for film so it was just everything coming into 3 3D for me and yeah. um and it was what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be so the main thing that I I had like I told you networking mm. always being you know in the middle of something showing up showing up for everything showing up early staying late I don't know if that's still a thing anymore <laughs> but back then it yeah. was about being the first one there and the last one to leave I know that that's not um you know kind of work life balance anymore yeah. but that was what I did and it was you know people people respected me I respected them uh, staying in touch, I'm still in touch with people from you know from that all that those years ago. Yeah, uh, some of my best friends I made there. So it was just um, it was what I, I mean. It was what I wanted. I manifested it totally.
0: Like, Ooh. Uh, yeah. so let, let's just stay there. So I had yeah. something very powerful. You manifested it. Yes. So I'm very aware of manifestation, and I've manifested a lot of things in my life. But for somebody who may be new to manifestation, mm-hmm. how would you describe it, Melinda? And what would be the benefits of trying to manifest things into your life?
1: Okay. So I I've read a ton of self-help books and mm-hmm. I learned meditation before this call. Everyone, we did a breathing exercise to get me <laughs> in the zone. Yep. So I I highly recommend if if Neil invites you, at least for that you'll Some people never close their eyes and breathe, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So closing your eyes and breathing and imagining what you can um accomplish. And any little um accolade I got, any little you know, any support I got from people in my career, I didn't push it away. I really held on to that to Mm -hmm. give me more self-esteem to consider what could be possible in my life. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing I didn't think I could accomplish. The only things I didn't accomplish were the things I didn't want to, the -hmm. things I didn't let myself. There was always a door to be opened if I was willing to work at it. And so that's what manifesting is. It's not just picturing the you know like a vision board vision boards are great i love yeah, yeah. them but how do you make that vision board come come true you have to open get those doors open you have to kick them down you have to talk to the right people and it's and you have to not give up if that's really what you want so i think negative thinking hmm. um, will destroy the manifestation i'll tell you a quick story I was, yeah, miami. Miami, I was in miami for the summer and there is a podcast that i love called drink champs Okay. And I was in touch with uh, one of the hosts, DJ uh, EFN, Mm -hmm. and we, you know, I was like trying to, trying to like get his attention on Instagram because I knew I was going to be in Miami. They shoot it in Miami. I mean, now podcasts are the new television shows, right? Yeah. Nobody. I mean, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I wanted to go record to a recording of this podcast, Mm. and. He doesn't know me, even though, you know, I worked at MTV and everything. He doesn't know me. Uh, we never crossed paths. There was no way. Somehow I said, I'm going, I'm going to that show. I'm going to a taping of that show. And within, you know, a week of me being in Miami, there was a mutual friend, um, MC Search from mm-hmm. uh, Third Base. Yep. And I said, Search, could you, could you call them and see if I can go to during chance?" <laughs> Get the and- referral, right? Yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're not yeah. going to. And and they did. And when I showed up, I sat there. It was a four hour recording. They don't yeah. edit. They don't edit. And you can't leave. You can't make noise. No. So they don't have guests. It's not yeah. a, a, you know, Sally, like a studio audience, you know? Yeah. Sally, yeah, yeah. So it's straight four hours of them, you know, drinking and smoking. Yeah. And at the end, I said, Hey, it's me, DJ. Eiffen. And he's like, You manifested this. I said, yeah. I did. I was not going to leave Miami until somehow I was able to not only meet you, congratulate you, because as a television person, I know that this is massive. What you're doing here is massive. Mm -hmm. It's like Mm -hmm. no other hip hop entertainment show. And um, and then look what happened. They had the biggest scoop of the year with Kanye. So it was a very, very good um, experience for me to remind myself, you know, I'm not too old. I have dreams still, yeah. you know, I, I made them happen before and um, this summer was a perfect example of me, you know, I mean, it may, it's not a job or anything, but it was just a great experience and, yeah. uh, you know, I was so grateful for it. It really, it's special, you know, when you get to see something like that on the other side of the camera, it's special and I appreciated it, so.
0: Awesome. That is freaking amazing, <laughs> Melinda. You. Like, you, you're very right and you, you, you said something very pertinent there, which was, you know, with doors to success, if the door's locked, then smash the door in, right? And you've got to keep going for and you're right, I've got like a vision board in front of me. But there's a mindset that I've learned where a lot of the time in my past, I'd say I want to do this, I want to go there, I want to do this, I want to accomplish this. But I had to change the phrase of what I was saying, I then change it to I will do this, I will meet that person, I will go into that company. And even the last couple of months, I've had to do a lot of things which have been outside of my comfort zone and normally where I'd stagnate and maybe procrastinate a little bit too much, but I know just F it, just do it, dude, because the more you keep thinking about it or, you know, just pondering, it just doesn't happen and you just have to go get it, right? And I love that energy with you because, like, even when like for our guests and listeners, like Melinda, when you reached out, you right reached out by email. You're telling me what you know about the show. You want to get in touch, and I was like, "Who is this lady?" She's like, "She's coming with some strong game here." So I was like, "Okay, I need I need to know who she is." So I love that with you, and you know, another point that I'd like to dive into a bit is this networking piece. You know, you said you were born to network. So networking is what's helped me get into many places and do a lot of you know cool journeys in my life. What tips would you give to somebody, you know, whether it be in sales, music, or whatever they're doing with their life? What, how can they best start networking with people? How do they put themselves out there? How do they get over the fears of, you know, how people may perceive them with, you know, imposter syndrome stuff? What tips would you give for networking, Melinda?
1: I think that whenever you meet someone, you know, who is your contemporary, who you feel, you know, you have the same vibe with, whether it's with business or personal or community, religion, anything, you know, you get to know the person, you schmooze with them and you stay in touch. Like that's Mm -hmm. the most important thing. And thank goodness we have social media because it used to be a Rolodex, a telephone call, (laughs) and then eventually email, but really, or showing up to the coffee shop or the club or, you know, anything that you were invited to that's the main thing. Don't think that there is anything beneath you to show up to. If you're invited to something, you see a sales, um, you know, a conference. We had one here in Israel. It was amazing. I met a bunch of other SDRs. You, you know, really show up and don't show up and stand in the corner, smile, say hello. People want to talk. That's why we're there. Mm. And, you know, keep in touch. And the the great thing about LinkedIn is that commenting on your post, for instance, when I see you post something interesting, I comment. It's not I'm not being phony. You know, it's real. It's a real, it's a real sincere. And that's the other thing is being sincere. People can tell if you're being sincere, Mm. if you're really into what they're saying. Are you listening? Make sure you're listening and, you know, stay in touch. And that's, and then there was actually a job that I saw on Facebook a couple Mm. of years ago. Mm. And I looked, who do you know in common with me? Mm. And she knew a friend of mine from LA that I worked with at MTV. And it was someone in Israel, a startup. And I said, David, can you please give me an introduction to her? Mm. And he was like, because he's been in the same company for a long time. He was like, that was great networking. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know I, I don't reach out to him all the time, but yeah, we have yeah. good, you know, rapport. And maybe I didn't talk to him in five years even. I had no problem asking him to mm. introduce me. And she said it. She goes, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have talked to you if he yeah. didn't reach out because your resume doesn't really fit for this job. Yeah. So it was a great experience and it reminded me again, as I was getting back into the world of business, that this is, these are the kind of relationships you always want to keep and a good way to keep them is on social media.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I think, you know, there's so many things that I can relate to that in terms of the networking side of it. You know, like most recently this week in London, I went to an SDR event in London with some guys and girls called Sales Confidence. And truth be told, I haven't been to a networking event for a while. I've been to like conferences but not like a, you know, a nice intimate room with like 50 people and some people are giving presentations and talks. And there was a part of me before I went to the event thinking, I don't want to go because I'm really comfy at home and I don't know these people and I could just you know, forget about it. Mm-hmm. But then there was this thing inside me saying, Neil, you, like, if you love SDRs and you want to be in that world, then you need to go visit that world and you have to feel a bit uncomfortable. And going in the room, like, you know, I could do that thing of just sitting in the corner and just having my Pepsi and just like not talking to anyone. But I was forcing myself to constantly just go up to people, shake their hands, saying, how are you doing? And then some people come and say, hey, you're Neil from LinkedIn. You're that happy selling guy. And I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. And there is always that fear when, you know, some people come up to you like, hi, Neil, nice to finally meet you. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. Because you see so many. I'm good with faces. I'm just really bad with names. Right. Uh huh. Um, But yeah, the networking piece, you know, you have to keep pushing yourself out there. Um, And that's how you get to know people. And it was through music that I got into tech sales, because Mm -hmm. the tech recruiter uh, that got me into tech sales, like for a US company, was the partner uh, of a musician and DJ that I used to work with. And I remember we went to a party one day, and me and this recruiter are talking, and she said, so what do you do? And I was like, I work in B2B sales, I work in tele sales. And she was like, Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you do? She said, I work for tech startups. And I said what I did. And she said to me, do you want to be rich? And I was like, huh? And that's kind of like how I got into tech sales. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot there. But I'd also love to know, you know, for somebody that's had an extensive career working within media, and you alluded to earlier that, you know, you came across Jolt, you went through the training with them, you learned about tech sales and, you know, finding out about the world of startups. How did you make that transition of working in, you know, from Hollywood and then coming to tech, what was going through your mind, and how did you go through that transition?
1: i I just I didn't think that I would even be interested in it. But mm. when I saw the innovation and the platform and even the graphics, like the graphics really um, excited me. I like mm. to see the visual. And even though these are not visual products, it's yeah. still exciting to see how someone markets their product. So the marketing, was the same thing as kind of what I did with music was how am I going to sell the scene? How am I going to actually buy the music to sell the scene? And is it even possible? And then putting all of that together and creating an amazing scene with an amazing song that the audience, you know, resonated with the audience. So it was the, it was just very similar in a way. And I, um, I, you would think, oh, your ego, you have to work in music, you have to be fancy, whatever. No, mm. this is fancy actually. <laughs> this is really because it's really it's it's creating a um a lesser workflow a workload for a lot of people in a lot of different different industries. And it's just creating this gives people more time. Like it gives people more time to do a better job, to be with their families, to impress their bosses, whatever it is. It. I love that there these tech solutions are impacting so many industries and so many people's lives for the better. Yeah. That I've been through the advent of the internet. So I remember AOL and I remember how cool it was to <laughs> the do dial- instant messaging. Yeah. yeah and yeah, the dial- yeah, yeah. so. This is, you know, it's like they say that about Gen X. You know, we had one foot in in um, analog and one foot in digital. And that's where we're at, you know. So I, it was very natural for me to embrace this technology and to learn about it. And, I, you know, I really try to learn about it every day just the way I still stay on top of the music every day. Like mm-hmm. I'm on Spotify all day, all night listening to new artists. So it's it's just a great – it's great that I can still have my passion for that and a new passion for the digital tech world. You're right. And you know, what? in recent years, you've,
0: there's been a lot of musicians that have come into tech as well. So like with Jay-Z and Tidal, uh, Ryan Leslie, uh, one of my favorite like R&B producers and singers, like he's got his own tech company as well. And I'm like, rah, wow, all of these guys and girls are getting into tech and it's, it's growing. And to, to your point, you know, coming from that world of welcome to AOL and having that dial up and being in front of a screen and, you know, experiencing something through your browser, not having to download a program to your pc or you know your windows based system mm-hmm. um and th- using things like linkedin so like using cloud and tech and SaaS, it's been there we've kind of been at the beginning of that and seeing that transition and i think what makes it really exciting is when you see cool new things coming on board so like right now the the hottest craze is obviously ai and chat gpt and seeing yes. all these tools i geek out on this stuff melinda yeah. when i see it, i'm like Ooh. but it was like Back then, when I first saw the AOL95 dial-up screen dialogue come back, I was like, wow, we're going to connect to the internet? We're going to speak to other people? And this also opened up a door of connecting with people across the world that you normally wouldn't have had the opportunity to your earlier point of the roller deck and having a phone Mm -hmm. and -hmm. speaking to lots of people. And I think the funniest thing that I've come across, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is... For somebody that's done music and, you know, being on LinkedIn and we have followings and whatnot, strangers tend to support you more so than your friends and family when you're doing this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of put it down to because your friends and family know you as Melinda or they know you as Neil, that guy that grew up, went to college, like lived life, etc., etc. Yeah. But when you're a personality or you're a persona online, strangers will you know, give you props, like, like you for what you do, but your friends and family are like, yeah, what well, Neil, what are you doing? Like, come on, grow up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Have you ever experienced that or ever thought that? Or what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I do find, I, I mean, I'm pretty active on Instagram as well. Yeah. And I I actually spent during the pandemic a lot of time on Clubhouse, the audio app. Yeah. And I met a lot of people from the entertainment world, whatever. They are, I've never met them in real life. <laughs> They are very supportive of me on Instagram. If I write one of my sad days, like I just need to get through the day today or one of my, you know, fun little quirky thing and add a song. They just it's they're so supportive and it's so nice. Um, Also, obviously the new people. I think that LinkedIn, it's a little bit harder. Mm. um to determine what what who and what and where because every day it seems to be changing who's liking my posts and who's not and the yeah. the hashtags really are important yeah. but um yeah i mean i i always again manifesting support you can manifest support mm. you can manifest support by saying focusing on a certain post and reading more and more and more about it until you know you're connecting with all these different people that also want to talk about that post so yeah. It's fine with me if I don't know these people in person. I love these online kind of relationships and um, support network. It's great. I love that. I love that. And coming on to like online
0: and tech and tools. So obviously when you're going through Jolt, um, you're learning about lead generation. You're learning about sales tools. So, you know, like Zoom Info, Apollo, Slack, et cetera, et cetera. Most recently, I've been working with a lot of new SDRs and coaching them. And one thing which is coming up again and again is, Neil there are all these so many tools that people are using day to day I see my peers using them they're uploading leads they're like putting them into cadences they're messaging people they're doing video notes and voice notes and all of this sort of stuff and it really overwhelms them and sometimes they feel really out of depth with this tech and these tools so let's take a pause on you know doing the actual career Mm -hmm. but the day-to-day of doing these tools how did you find it using these tools and kind of like how is your brain dealing with it and what advice would you give to somebody that's maybe a bit not tech savvy and they're a bit apprehensive about using these tools because they feel there's just so much going on what advice would you give to them melinda
1: so how are you finding the leads that are getting you appointments (laughs) (laughs) so i really you know i've used a bunch of those um lead generation tools including using sales navigator quite a bit Mm. Uh, getting the emails from, you know, all these different um, integrations like Apollo, Zoom Info, uh, Surf. I really am, am enjoying right now. I think that it, it's great and it share, it saves everything into my CRM, but I have to go through LinkedIn first. Mm. So I get to get to know the, the persona first. Mm-hmm. It's not just typing a name and saving it into your CRM. It's actually looking at the person and then deciding to save them and then deciding to, you know, reach out to them. So, I, um, I think that the main thing is focus on what is going to build your pipeline. Hmm. And if one tool doesn't work, move on, hmm. really move on. And you see if you're getting too many bounces in your emails, people aren't um, connecting with you. You're not really quite sure if they're the, the buyer, pers- buyer persona that you need to reach out to. So it's really about... Um, not multitasking. It's about like like focusing very, very clearly on who you want to get. And all of those tools can create a lot of noise. Yeah. So I just put them aside and say which is giving me the best information? Where am I getting the best information? To get to my goals.
0: I love that. I love that. And for somebody, you know, that worked in Hollywood, came from New York, you don't want to mess with Melinda. Um, in this gig of being an SDR, we face a lot of rejection. And for somebody like you that has this strong want to connect with people and network and knows how to do it, mm-hmm. how do you deal with rejection, Melinda, like in this role?
1: I don't do cold calls. <laughs> okay. Tell me more. Tell me more. I mean, it was, um... okay, so I used to call people and say, this is Melinda from MTV. Mm. Put Get put right through. <laughs> we the weight the tech- of
0: that. The weight of that. Right. Right.
1: You work. You work for a tech startup, and this is Melinda from you know X company. Hmm. What do you do? You try to explain it to them in ten seconds. They hang up on you. Hmm. Uh so you. So for me, I-, I do do warm. I will do warm calls. I want to introduce myself virtually first somehow before um to hopefully get some see if they're even interested to talk to me on the phone or to have a bigger conversation with me. So. I try to avoid the rejection, but of course, uh, recently I sent an email to someone who I didn't warm up first. Mm -hmm. And he was like, where did you get my email? You know, how dare you get me off of this list? And Mm -hmm. um, he didn't like the, he didn't like the tone of the email. It was a little bit too familiar for him. This was a a fintech guy. So it was, it was pretty harsh. And I just was like, "Uh, okay, this is fine. This happens. It doesn't happen that often because I try to you know, not bother people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to and you have to get hung up on and you have to just roll with it. And there are people that I see on LinkedIn that talk about this and they are pounding through the phone calls Doing you know the doing the emails and you know getting bounces or getting hung up on and they do not stop until they book that meeting or yeah. the five meetings or whatever their goal is. So I have a lot of respect for that. And um, yeah, if you can build up your stomach to to be able to get hung up on, mm. then it's perfect. Perfect job for you. <laughs> I love
0: that. It, it, it does build a thick skin, and you know I think the more you get used to to put it plainly, being punched in the face with rejection on a daily basis. You kind of get used to it and you try well you can try and not let it affect you as much or take it on board and you know being able to not take it bring it home when you've had a tough day of being beaten up uh is is something that you learn over time as well
1: i want to say one more thing yeah. there is something that that gave me a much thicker skin um which was working for very difficult people in hollywood that was actually uh. when i arrived there they said because you're from New York, we're going to give you this more difficult producer to deal with. You're going to be able to stomach, you know, whatever it is. You don't have to say please to me when you ask me to ask you do something. I i don't stand on ceremony to, yeah. you know, get you to, please, Melinda, please go get me a coffee. No, I, it's fine. I'll get you a coffee. That's my job. So I think that that really, you know, I saw I saw a lot of things and I, and I experienced um, the rewards, though. Hmm. the rewards of being able to let things flow off you not to be abused you know what i mean sometimes this does feel like abuse when you're getting hung up on all day it feels abusive but um, (laughs) just to be able to go you know go with the flow and say this is my job this is what i want to do you know if it's worth it i'm gonna you know keep going and that's exactly what i did it was worth it for me to deal with difficult personalities and go home at the end of the night and feel good about the job that i did
0: I love that. I love that. And yeah, I, I can imagine dealing with a lot of difficult people in Hollywood. Yeah. I've met a lot of, let's just put it this way, divas or people that are very, you know, well-known celebs, and they have a different way of thinking and a different mm-hmm. way of life. And I respect them for that because that's how they got to where they got to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing I'd love to ask is, so, so you're somebody that's very active on LinkedIn. You know, you're to your point, you're commenting on people's posts, you're creating your own posts. What, what's kind of like a hot topic for you right now that you're seeing a trend in, like be it LinkedIn or in sales development? What's what's really big for you?
1: Okay. So um, I see a lot of chat GPT posts and carousels and um, people, you know, either bemoaning the fact that it's taking over, it could even be taking over the music business. It's not <laughs> yeah. but AI, you know, yeah. creating a, a song from Drake and uh, The Weeknd was, yeah. uh, and it got taken down I see some desist happened. So- yeah. That kind of um, innovation is right now the biggest trend that I see on LinkedIn, and I've been trying to share about that as how it's relevant to me, which is my um, my prospects are in health tech. That's who I am targeting for my lead generation uh, services. So I am trying to post things in, in that vein. So AI, chat GPT for healthcare, med tech, like that
0: love it love it and you know what like i am a big geek on ai um and you know what i kind of noticed things with ai like a couple of years back with like deep fake videos mm. you know videos of like donald trump or like certain celebrities where their masks uh, their faces are being masked by ai and it looks like they're talking or they're doing that video and there was like one for barack obama and i remember back then thinking like damn People are going to be able to impersonate or do anything around certain people. And then obviously with the launch of OpenAI and ChatGPT, I was like, rah, this, this is freaking cool. I remember showing my friends, showing my family, like some guy was showing me on LinkedIn, like how he uses it. And, you know, these sort of tools, it's just the way that things develop and the way things evolve in terms of tech. And that's, again, why I love working within tech, because there's so many cool things that come out every day, right? Right. Um, and I saw the other day a post by Stephen Bartlett where this lady was posting that she was in her car, she was crying her eyes out, and she said basically a scammer had called her, impersonating her brother using AI voice, and this person had basically tried to say that her brother was going to kill himself, he's going to be in some sort of crash, and oh. to start calling. Uh, their grandparents. But basically, cut long story short, this scam was trying to get money out of them to send the money by using AI voice. And when I saw this sort of post I on LinkedIn, I saw everybody like commenting and saying, this is why AI is dangerous. You know, it's taking oh. over the world and going on to your early point of people being fearful that it's going to be taking over their jobs. I don't feel that it would ever replace a human and what they do. The human has to input certain things into it, but equally it can be abused. And it can be taken out of context, and there are scary things that can be done. But I put it similar to, this is going to sound really weird, but like a gun, right? So a gun in itself is a dangerous weapon, but it's only dangerous based on who pulls the trigger. Because a gun could be sitting in a gun cabinet, nobody uses it, and it could just be an ornament that's being there for looked for. But if it's then loaded with a bullet, and then it's aimed at somebody and fired, that's when it becomes dangerous. And obviously there's a lot of contention of, should this be covered? Sorry if I'm going really deep into this. This yeah, is just something okay. I'm really geeking out on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, this should be, you know, uh, screened by government. They should be taking control into this. And then a part of me irked in that and thinking, well, I don't think it can be controlled by government because this wasn't created within government. This was created by, you know, people or people that are passionate about tech and they're creating these solutions. And the point of software is to help and make things better. You know, and then when things try to get regulated, then it kind of kinda it does lose its essence. But I I agree that AI, I'm very curious to see how it's going to evolve. And I think it's going to evolve at a very fast rate. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of opportunities for people in sales to use it. So I use it for like this show. It helps me with post production. Mm -hmm. It helps me create copy for the posts I'm putting out. It helps me in business with emails where Mm -hmm. I know what I want to respond with, but I just don't know how to put it into context or put it in a better way so if I'm prospecting you know uh, I'll write out the email and then I'll put it into chat GPT and say rephrase this or make this more grammatically correct mm-hmm. it's assisting me it's not doing the job for me but it's assisting me in what I'm doing and that's where the human input is but yeah AI it's mad it's it's it's, it's, it's a really cool place to be and I think it goes back to that earlier point of AOL, AOL 95 mm-hmm. when we first saw that dialogue box and we see here's the opportunity but then depending on who's, you know, dialing up and what their intentions are, that's something we can't control. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm going off on a wild tangent, no, but what, what do you think? What, what are your thoughts on AI?
1: Um, so, I, you know, the first uh, SDR job I had was at Elios, which is an AI-based product. Mm. And basically what it did was they programmed the AI to be able to understand what was going on in a clinical session mm. and then take that information and and show like you do the highs and lows when you're editing audio this is it was much more advanced as far as where is the client at with their therapy recovery like where are they at where can they uh do better where can the therapist do better who's speaking more is the therapist speaking too much is the client speaking you know enough enough
0: so like therapy coaching on ai is that no
1: it's it's analytics of the session so that the therapist doesn't have to write anything first of all it's recorded mm-hmm. second of all seeing like a kind of a graph or however they program that for the for that specific therapist yeah. not replacing the therapist at all just giving them data points like this client has been talking about grief every single session there mm-hmm. needs to be an intervention and when you see 8 to 10 clients a day how are you going to remember every single thing and you know so it was it's a super super helpful Um, way that AI is um, transforming the psychological clinical industry. And it's happening in every industry, especially, you know, fintech as well. So Mm -hmm. I think that um, people are afraid, you know, a lot of times when I would call prospect, they were like, what do I need a computer? I'm a person. That's a person. No, it's the assistant. Yeah. Like the, the chat GPT is no. open AI, meaning open, open yeah. your mind. Yeah. You can use this yeah. to create an email, make your email better. Um, Now I, I did not see this, but I was talking to a friend of mine who's posting on a LinkedIn. And I said, you should use some graphics. You need to put a picture on your post because mm-hmm. the posts are beautiful. They're yeah. great, but she needs a picture. And she's like, where am I gonna get the picture from? I was like, Getty images, I don't know, you know. So we're mm. going back and forth. She goes, I think the chat GPT can make the
0: images. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I was like, You're right. Yeah. Tell them to make a brain in, in green and throw it on the post. So yeah. that was uh that's I'm very excited about that. That's that seems to be amazing. And then I recently posted that Google released a um, a new product for vid, for editing, mm. um, which is um it's totally go to my, go to my LinkedIn.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and guys and girls, make sure you check out the link uh,
0: for Melinda's uh, LinkedIn profile so you can connect with her and see her post. Please go on.
1: Yeah. So I, I, the fact that it's also making its way into kind of just the kind of, uh, tasks that are, that are very cumbersome, take up a lot of your time hmm. and aren't so meaningful so that you can actually do the meaningful work, um, it's it's an, just like you said it's an assistant and across the board and i love it and i've tried to use chat gpt hmm. to create something in two lines of my input it was terrible hmm. it was terrible so i it's true making putting a, a like a full email and saying shorten this to 500 words yeah. it's great for that and yes. it's the gr- gr- grammar <laughs> huge yes. huge help
0: it doesn't g- need it we did. Like um, t- like a true story, yesterday I was coaching um, an SDR and we were looking at their emails, um, like in a sequence that they're putting out. Um, and what I like to do with reps is I say to them, like let's buddy up, right? I'm going to be your counter SDR, like put it into the chat, tell me what you're writing and let's look at it together. So this person put out an email, it was very lengthy and I was like, right, we need to kind of snip this down a little bit. So I put it, I did my own manual editing and then I rewrote the email and then sent it back in the chat and I said, what do you think of this? They said, yeah, I like that, but it's just the end and the call to action I'm not too sure about. So then I took like some of the paragraphs and we did it live on the screen where we was going to chat GPT and I said, make this more concise. Also make this more grammatically correct or make this sound more enticing to get the recipient to want to respond. And it took our original, so these were two people, we we're in a chat, we then take what we took out of the chat, put it into ChatGPT, there's a lot of chat here, uh, and then, you know, asking it to reformat it, and then when we came out with a very nice, concise, simple email, yes. and it read nicely, and I was just like, and the other person said, yeah, I've never used ChatGPT, and I was like, I do this on a daily, yeah. you know, but we're we're having to put, to your point, the input in, and the parameters of what we're searching and it will spit something back out. Now, we have the choice whether we want to take it or not. But the only way to figure out if it works is just by testing it out. So I don't think it's like a cheat code. It's just, as with any software, you put something in, you see what it spits back out. And then you then use it to help make you more efficient. Not to do your job, but to make you more efficient. Yes. Yeah, I think we we could talk about ALAs for hours and hours. But Melinda, you know, a lot uh, of
1: people don't know. A lot of people have no. They they think of AI. I think there was wasn't there like a movie a long time ago. Like wasn't there a movie? There's like, been
0: loads. Like there's kid, been iRobot, little kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Created from AI. Yeah,
0: the film. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was it M Night Shyamalan? I, yeah, I don't. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. The kid so, that
0: was in Sixth Sense that was yes. also in the AI film. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that's what people think about when they think of AI. They don't realize it's like. A software platform where you can type and you could speak and you can and create you know great new things there's so many people that always wanted to write a book or they mm. want to write a business proposal but they don't have the skills to do that and then I'm hearing it can pass medical exams <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so it has a lot of information if you yeah. if you're willing to spend some time and you know don't give up your voice because it can't replace you as a human being mm. Yeah, but I even
0: even on that like uh Again, this will be kind of the last point on AI because I think we could talk about it for hours. Um, Like I, I, I saw the other day, like online, there was like an AI radio station. And with the AI radio station, you would input the type of music that you want. It would automatically create new songs based on what good music sounds like. And it would have an artificial DJ introduce the show and say, here's the next song that's coming up. And the whole thing was just generated by AI. So you had intro, you had the name of the show, you had a host. It made its okay. own music and put it into a playlist. And I was just like, you don't need any production team. You don't need any artists. You don't need anything. Mm-hmm. Like the whole radio show was created by AI. That was freaky. I found that very scary. Was it good? It was good. And the that's what made it good. scary. Yeah, the did music have, was good. Did it have vocals? Yeah, vocals, it had sounds, it had lyrics.
1: Come on. It
0: had rap and everything. And I was just like, what? Well, damn. Yeah. Really- yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I'll tell you, as a music supervisor, you know, I had to come up with some creative ideas sometimes, especially when we couldn't get the actual master recording. We had to re-record. And there was actually a scene where we had to sing, Michael, row your boat ashore. And we had to get the whole uh, office into a room and recorded it because we couldn't hear the neighbors who were singing it. And that's Mm -hmm. a public domain song. We didn't have to pay for it. But that's the kind of thing AI would be amazing. I would just say, sing Michael Ro- boat Shore or yeah. something like it. Like if it was a happy birthday you have to pay a lot of money for. Oh, Make wow. up a new happy birthday song. Yeah. Put that in so I could... Uh, it's a new birthday and we would have to clear that all the time. Jeez. And that would save a ton of money. I'm just curious who is going to own that music. Like how are they going to catalog streaming rights? Like all of these things. Even though you're creating it but is the program then going to own the music because if someone else says, I want to use that happy birthday fake song mm. that you told the AI to create on your radio station, mm. um, how are they going to get permission or do they just take it? See, this is why this Drake um, weekend thing was so important mm. because even though it was original lyrics, yeah. it was a musician, it was a master, it was a recording, mm. um, but it used, you know, the, the voice AI yeah. It still was an original song, mm. so if I sing those lyrics over that same original music, I own that song. It's just yeah. that they they perpetrate, you know, they took their identity by yeah. using their voices. Yeah. But other than that, it'll be interesting how if they're able to copyright any of these AI generated songs yeah. for use. If it, but if they become a hit on TikTok,
0: that's just, you're you're very right, and okay. I think the only the best person to ask the question of how to deal with that would be. AI itself, like, how do you get around that? And you'll probably give me a business asking. plan. or something. Yeah, I'm exactly. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Melinda, great. it's been an absolute blast, like having you on the show. And uh, the question that I always like to ask our guests is, if you could go back in time to the Melinda who's just about to embark on her tech career. What three bits of advice would you give her? Or alternatively, for the Melinda that's going to be listening to this show in a couple of months' time, what three bits of advice would you give to yourself in the future? So which way do you want to go? Do you want to go past or do you want to go future?
1: I'll go past. Go for it. Okay. Um, First of all, I would say that I did do, I'll say what I did right, which Mm -hmm. was I picked a company and they picked me, Elios, because I was passionate about their product and they felt that I would sell to the ends of the earth. I would not give up until I hit my goals, which I, I did. Um, so I was I was very good at, at really knowing inside of me what I was gonna be passionate about selling. Yeah. So that is so important when you take a job in, in tech because it can be very redundant and repetitive hmm. and you have to be able to really sell something that you, that you're interested in. And I think that I would, the thing that I would have done a little bit differently would be not to work 24 hours a day because I was so excited about being a first SDR working on a brand new platform that no one has ever heard of and getting my LinkedIn game going and learning all these tools that I did not stop. I was working, you know, 15 hours a day. So I would say, just hold off. You don't need to do that. Learn to manage your time better. I think that I really need to, needed to learn time management skills, yeah. and I'm working on that still as well. Yeah. Um, I think also taking time to continue to learn from day one. Don't think because you did an SDR course or you're, you're learning on the job that mm-hmm. outside of the job there's not more skills for you to learn. Or read those articles that you like. Don't just like the headline. Yeah, Read the articles that you like. So that's another thing that I'm working on now that I wish I would have spent a little bit more time of which would have taken the stress away too. Because yeah. when you're learning, you're not stressed out because you're doing that for yourself. Yeah. So you have to do the the work-life balance. Very important.
0: I love that. Those are solid bits of advice, Melinda. Thank you so much for sharing. And are there any shout-outs or kudos that you'd like to give on today's show?
1: Yes. So my founder, Ari Levin was the one who wanted us to um, start reaching out to podcasts, we we are going to create our own podcast. By the way, mm-hmm. um, it's it's more of like an, a question and answer Q and A on what I what I'm trying to accomplish with our business model, what Ariel um, has already done, and what he what his um, role is as an influencer on LinkedIn and the head of our company. So um, shout out to Ariel Levin. Shout out to our staff at Soul Marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to my kids Moshe uh, Natan and Tobias. And, um, everyone just have a great week and uh shout out to you because you are so inspiring. I love watching you on the, right. on the podcast and on LinkedIn. And this is such a great, um, gift that you're giving SDRs, not only the knowledge, but the, the you know, we don't get a lot of attention. So to, if you have someone want to talk to us for an hour is just so, <laughs> I just, it's so nice. It's just such a nice feeling. So thank you.
0: Mm- Melinda, thank you so much and bless you that. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And a, a big shout out to our listeners and watchers that have joined us on Melinda's journey and chapter today. Gentle reminder, you'll be able to find her LinkedIn profile in the show notes if you want to connect with her, pick her brain, reach out and find out more about Melinda and what those guys are doing at Soul Marketing, feel free to do so. Uh, if you're listening to this in our local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a rating and a like. And if you're watching this on our YouTube show, please make sure that you like, comment and subscribe and let us know what you think of the show in the comments down below. But Melinda, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. Thank you so much for joining and imparting your knowledge I'm wishing you a great and successful week. And most importantly, happy selling, Melinda.
1: Yes. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Disco call one word, at bcast, which is b-c-a-s-t dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.